Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, we have singer-songwriter, uh, lead singer of the band Will Frang and the Good Line Gang, Hi, Mr. Ben. Will Frang himself. How you doing, Ben Slowey? I'm doing great, man. How are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah, what'd you do today? What did I do today? Uh, well, I woke up late this morning, but uh, I had a little rehearsal this morning and got some playing in. And then we came over here and hung out with Eric at High Five Studios. Shout out Eric. Shout out Eric. Shout out Marissa as well. Yeah. And uh, and now we're here. Man, fantastic. We're sitting here in the Zero Undiscovered Lab, and we're gonna drink us uh, some um, Tia Maria. Uh, it's a uh, Jamaican coffee liqueur. Uh, See, I was gonna guess Puerto Rican drink, but that's okay. <laughs> close. Yeah, close. Yeah. Wrong island. Wrong island. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, so I moved today, and my parents gave me a little housewarming gift, which was really nice of them. Uh, so I figured it would be appropriate to sip on the show. And, and we got some natties too. Uh, just a little taste of home, right? You can just give me a little bit. We'll, uh, Sounds good. We'll just put it down right away and see what happens. Cheers. Cheers. Coffee liqueur. Mmm. There's coffee in there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, there's a little. You like it? I do like it. Good. Yeah. So I want to plug real quick. Um, so Will Frank and the Goodland Gang have been uh, rocking the scene uh, this past year. They've been um, playing um, just a really exciting blend of pop rock and blues and um, all your favorite covers from various musicians, musicians from Calvin Harris to Alicia Keys to John Prine. You guys are playing all kinds of covers. Mm -hmm. um, their uh, debut. Uh, EP, uh, The Goodland Part 1, came out last year, streaming everywhere, and The Goodland Part 2 will hopefully be on the way soon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on the radar, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's on the radar. We haven't necessarily released uh, or you know put out a release date yet, but we're looking at July, maybe early August uh, to put it out. Uh, but we do have a new single out. Our new single is called Hold Me Back, and it came out on Friday, and it's on all streaming services. And uh, it's been going really good so far. We've awesome. got a lot of plays going, and people seem to be digging it. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you guys played the Ale House last weekend. Um, was that your like debut of your new single, like to a live audience? We played it a couple times, but we haven't really like you know you know. It was more so testing the waters with the song, sure. playing it for people and seeing how they reacted and. Uh, What's interesting about that song is is we we came up with that one pretty much all together. We were playing um, we were playing in Garrett's bedroom, our drummer, and uh, and we were just jamming along. And uh, that was like one of the first tunes that I think we came up. Are you spilling that vibe? Oh man, I spill more beer than I drink. I do know that about you, yeah. and it's hard because you're used to drinking out of beer bottles. There's more <laughs> there's more like suction or something yeah, like yeah. that from those, right? Yeah, it's. A it's a tough habit to knock, but anyway, as you're saying. <laughs> Not even a habit, it's like a signature. Um, but, yeah, so, so we were jamming along and we came up with that song all together, and as soon as we came up with it, it was like, it was like, damn, okay, we've got something really interesting to work with. We came up with the melody pretty quickly and, uh, and the groove of the song. And then, so, um, we went and wrote the lyrics for it, and, uh, and it just kind of came together really organically, and uh, so we thought it was appropriate to release that one as a single for the yeah. new project, because this new project is going to be taken in a different direction. It's going to be going 
more, you know, like like higher production, you know, uh, you know, more emphasis on catchy hooks and uh, you know a little bit more rock, mm. a little bit more rock angle to it. Totally. Yeah. Um, and your first EP, you know, it it had a it had a a plethora of different kind of flavors on it. You know, with a bluesy song "Young Men," which you know is my favorite song. I know. I know that is yeah. your favorite. Song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will will damn Will will point me out in the crowd when uh, they're about to play that song, and I I just feel so much joy because I heard that song and like just the belt, just the bowl cut bouncing up and down. I just imagine young chubby Will running, <laughs> running, running around Port Washington. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> running around the small town. Yeah, it's funny because I I wrote that song as a as a joke. So I was going to I was going to see. Um, some of my buddies back home and I hadn't seen them in maybe a year or so and I had like this really great friend group growing up um, I name drop all the guys in the song but um, I was going to see them and it was gonna be the first time in a while and I was on a flight back from uh, I think Nashville and uh, and I was like I need to write like a funny rap song because we we're all very inspired by Flight of the Concords yeah and so I got on the plane and uh, and I just started started writing that too and young man started coming together nice. and uh, you know I started visualizing the city and stuff and I wrote it as a joke initially I was trying to I was trying to have like something that was very colorful and funny and uh, and then I played it for the guys I think a little while later and they were like you know it elicits like people like cock their head at that the first time they hear it, and then and then they kind of then they start to dig it. Yeah. Um, totally. you know. Yeah, it's it's just a really like um, you know it's it's definitely fun. It also just brings a lot of like small town imagery. Um, Absolutely, which I think is really kind of what I, like I think is really enjoyable about the song because I just feel like you know I'm living in Port Washington like when you know like through the lyrics and everything. Here, we'll start from the beginning. So, Will, you um, had been, had long been a singer-songwriter for a long time. Um, you know, you played uh, yes. in and around Port, and, you know, I know that you came out of Milwaukee to play, like, a, a number of times, and you were, like, in high school, like, you were primarily, like, a solo artist, yeah? Yeah, I was, I've basically been a, been a singer-songwriter up until I met these guys. Um, so, uh, so I started playing guitar when I was 11 years old. My dad got me a Fender Stratocaster, like a Squire Strat. And, uh, and so I started playing that thing when I was 11 and I started taking guitar lessons with a guy named Michael Hecker. And uh, Michael Hecker had like this, this crazy cool like studio that was in the upstairs of his shed in, in, in Fredonia, Wisconsin. Yeah. And you'd pull into this like, you know, down this dirt road and uh, and you'd go upstairs and he was just like this magician on mm -hmm. guitar. He was really, really talented. And so he would um you know, he would, you know, show me show me everything that he knew and I was really interested in chords initially. I've always been interested in more melodies than anything else. I like I like good melodies. Yeah. Um, because I think they're the most important part of the song, really. If if you're listening to any music, whether it's, you know, rap, gospel, you know, soul music, rock and roll, yeah. it's all about your hook. You have to write good hooks. And so I've been obsessed with good melodies forever. And so my, you know, my Spotify playlists are just like songs with good hooks. So it, it bounces from, you know, every kind of genre, but it's just like, it's pretty much all comes down to the hook. Mm -hmm. But so he taught me for a long time, this guitar teacher, I think he taught me until I was 16. And then, uh, and I was playing primarily acoustic guitar at that point. I'd never really, I, you know, I had an electric guitar, but I was more interested in acoustic guitar because with electric guitar, there's too much ambiguity in the sound. Like, 
you know, like effects and stuff like that, and I couldn't necessarily hear good tone yet. And so acoustic was much simpler to me to just focus on really learning how to play something and, and then move on to different tones and stuff like that. And so uh, I worked with him until I think I was about 16, and then we took a break, and then I started doing running an open mic at Newport Shores in Port Washington, which if you guys haven't been there before, Newport Shores is this wonderful spot on the lake, and I believe it's closing at the end of the summer, so if anybody's wow. in Port Washington, uh, we're playing there July 27th or 28th, I believe. 20, yeah, we're playing there July 27th. And uh, it's probably the last time that we're going to be on that stage outside. But and it's closing so, for good. I, you're saying I, I don't. I don't know exactly the details on it. I believe it's closing for good, but they might re reopen the rest sure. restaurant. I don't. I don't necessarily know details about it. But so I, I ran an open mic there from I think the age I believe I was 16 to to nine, 19 years old. I think I was a freshman in college when I stopped doing it. But it was great because it was a it was a way that I could get on stage once a week, every week and really get comfortable playing in front of an audience, get comfortable with my voice and playing. And uh, it's funny, like, as a musician, when you look back at it and you listen to recordings that you did when you were 16, you're like, damn, I should have just given up right then. Like, I can't believe, but if, you know, but if someone had told me that I really needed to give up, then I wouldn't have necessarily gotten to where I am now, where it's like, you know, you're making cool stuff, so. I think it's just really important to encourage people who are younger than you who are working on guitar or singing and uh, and let them, you know, be bad. Yeah. Just be bad for like a long time. You have, and to, be you have to be really bad. Yeah. yeah. You should have seen my horrible broadcasting videos from high school. It was literally, like, I was a terrible uh, editor. I was, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, like, when I first started, like, learning, like, broadcasting and, like, playing with cameras and stuff. Like, it was nonsense, but, you know, it's like, if I, yeah, exactly, like, if, if someone would have told me, like, like, Ben, this isn't for you, like, you should, like, stop taking this class, then if someone would have told me that, then I may not have, like, ended up, you know, pursuing it in school and everything, and so right. I think that goes for anyone's craft, really, is like, yeah, like, it, it's it kind of is like where it's like, where others around you, it's like, they can recognize that you, you know, you have potential. You know right. Absolutely. Well, it works the same way with like just ideas in general. Like, so if you're starting a business, or you're or you're writing a song, or you're or you have like an idea to do something, uh, what the the wisest thing to do is to keep it to yourself in yeah. the in the initial stage. Because as soon as you have an idea, it's easiest to kill it when it's like an infant, when it's in its infancy yeah. stage. And so, like you know, a lot of people and a lot of really smart business people, what they do is they wait on these ideas for a year or two, don't even tell their parents or their closest people around them because they need to formulate this idea and get it past the point of infancy. Otherwise, because one one stray comment can kill something like mm -hmm. that when you're in the beginning stages of anything. I mean, yeah. you know, especially businesses and and songs, particularly for right. me. Like so. Well, when you're in that, when when you're in like those, um, you know, beginning beginner level stages where you're not like fully like confident yet it's like that's when you're like when you don't have the confidence yet you know you that's when you're most sensitive i feel you know and it's Absolutely. like that's when people it's like when when um someone tells you like you know like you suck and you're still kind of like getting the hang of something and not fully like confident that this is for you it's like it's a lot easier to just drop that and walk away from it but at, but when you know that this is this is like what you're meant to do, and you like you know that it makes you happy, it makes other people happy. 
which mm-hmm. your shows make a lot of fucking people happy. We there do have some fucking, pretty happy people. But at that right, point, yeah. it's like when someone tells you you suck or when someone gives you some kind of like negative feedback, I mean, it's a lot more easily deflectable, I feel. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Well, it's easily deflectable, but it's, I don't know if the word is hardened for it. Uh, you don't necessarily need to become hardened, but you need to become steadfast in what you do and and you need, you know, only good critiques at that point before yeah. before you get into the you know the thing of it because like it's okay now if I if I write a bad song I love writing bad songs because it has to it's it's a progression you have to do bad work to get great work right. and so if you work through it and in a year you write you know 25 songs or something like that your album's only gonna hold maybe 10 songs so you yeah. know like and if you can shoot like one and three decent songs mm-hmm. or something like that yeah um, so um I, so like that being said, so the key thing you said um, that I want to touch up on is the fact that you mentioned like, you know, you don't want to like mess, you don't want to like, like, kind of like you don't want to tell something to, kind of with the infancy stage of things that you were saying, um, it's like you don't want to like spoil it, you don't want to like tell too many people about it, like, you know, way too soon. Well. Um, shout out Jack Fricky, um, my former roommate, bassist of Will, Frank and the Goodland Gang. He's in the room right now. Okay. Shout out Garrett Schmidt. Shout out Garrett as well. He's the drum machine, baby. <laughs> um, dude's got like two arms in real life, but four arms on the kid. He's got um, chops. Yeah. He just does. But so I remember it's like my room, you guys used to play in uh, Jack's room a lot. And Jack's mm-hmm. room was, when we were living together, Jack's room was adjacent to mine. And... Uh, I heard a lot of the songs that you guys um, haven't even released to this day. Like you guys were playing and jamming, and you guys would, um, you know, eventually um, bring them into a live setting where you would play them in your shows. Um, and like I heard just a lot of songs that weren't recorded. That um, yeah, I felt just really lucky to hear you guys play and kind of bring to life because you know it's like not. This is just such a like, like you guys are still bringing you guys are still developing these songs and sort of like um those like you know in the the beginning stages of it you know because you guys first formed the band when we were still living together and I think I just think that like it's kind of cool because some bands don't do that some bands like um like play live play live music that um that they you know don't haven't released anywhere that they're still kind of working on that are still kind of rough drafts of songs like mm-hmm. some some artists don't do that some people wait some artists will wait until after something is out and like you know released to the world before they start playing it live but i think it's cool that like you guys um play a lot of your music um that hasn't been released on anything yet because i mean i feel like it gets people more excited for what you guys have in piecing together your projects and stuff. Right, well it's testing grounds, you know, like like every time we come up with something kind of cool, it, well, and we also play a lot of shows, you know, we, we do play quite a bit, um, you know, we're, we're kind of taking a break a little bit this summer just to take some time, um, but, you know, since, you know, 
I don't know, since, since probably last summer we've played a lot of shows in Milwaukee and we fostered a great following. I mean, the people who come out to our shows are like the most fun people in the world. Very devoted. Very devoted, guys. and it's cool because it's like we've got songs that are unreleased that we've that we've never played for anyone before, or like like you know that aren't online, that aren't produced and stuff like that. And we've got people in the audience singing along to like every one of the songs, like you know, like like Fire on Water. We played there um, a couple months ago, but uh, or yeah, we played there in February for yeah, a Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day show. Yeah. And that place was packed. There was like there was like 250 people who came yeah. out to come see us, and it was just the coolest. And that's thing. a really slender bar too. It's that's that that's that was a tight fit. That place yeah. is no Miramar or no like you know wide open space like. No, it they, is... they had two bartenders on for the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, we haven't been revenue. invited back yet, but. <laughs> wow. Get on that fire mortar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys also just played backroom at Clotibo. We uh, did just play there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kit Pellegrini hired us on there. Shout to out play. Kit. Shout out Kit. Um, and we, we opened for this guy named, uh, named Taz. Um, and he's like this young guitar prodigy kind of kid. He's really, really a fantastic player. And so we got to play in front of his fans, which is really exciting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a nice room. We're talking about doing more work in Collectivo Backroom. Because um, it's just a great, great space, you know. It's like the perfect sized room, like, yeah. you know, like two, three hundred people can fit in there. And, uh, yeah, I, we really like that space. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, um, I've been to one show there, um, but I just remember it was just a, such a unique blend of River West Steins and Collectivo Coffees peppering the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say it was our biggest room yet, but but we uh, we definitely enjoy playing there. I'd say our biggest room that we've played Turn. was probably Turner Hall. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We played Turner Hall, I believe it was... Uh, March 29th. It was March 29th. Yeah. Damn, that memory right there. And uh, yeah, that was that was probably one of the most fun shows that we've ever played. You know, Turner Hall is like a is like a cornerstone of the city, yeah. and it was really um, really humbling to be able to play that stage. Mm -hmm. I know that you uh, also have a lot of connections in Colorado, um, do. and in Florida as well. Yep, Fort Myers. Um, so, how would you say, like, for one, like, what got you connected to, you know, those different markets and kind of, like, how would you say, like, you know, you have managed to feel connected and a part of, you know, those those different places that are foreign to, you know, obviously what you're doing here in Okay, okay. so for Colorado, uh, so I had just started playing guitar and, and I've been playing for about a year and I went... Okay, Will, it's time to start writing songs. You gotta do this, man. And so I went online and I started searching, uh, like, you know, songwriting classes or like places to go write songs. And so I was Googling around and I found like Interlochen and I found all these different places that you can go for songwriting in particular. And one search result came up that was, and it was called Rocky Mountain Song School. And so I was like, hmm. Let's take a look into this one. Let's take a, yeah. take it's like a, a gander. Let's, let's take a gander at this one, you know. And so I, I checked it out, and um, and and I checked out the website, and the instructor seemed really knowledgeable. And uh, you know, there's a lot of really brilliant songwriters there who live in Nashville and write for really big artists. And so I showed the website to my dad, and my dad's like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of Rocky Mountain Song School. You've actually been there before." And I was like. <laughs> and so apparently when I was, okay, so Rocky Mountain Song School is a songwriting school that's held in Lyons, Colorado, and then at the end of the week, 
uh, there's a, it's called uh, Rocky Mountain Folks Festival at the end of the week. So it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's this uh, festival that's held up in the mountains in Lyons, Colorado. And uh, so I had gone to that festival with my parents when I was seven years old because the sound guy, the guy who runs sound there, is uh, was like my dad's like college buddy oh, or nice. like buddy from college. Sure. And so I had already been to the festival at the end of the week. and. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, I'll talk to Eddie. We'll work it out. We'll get you out there. And so, sure shit, I think I was, I was either 12 or 13 years old when I first went out there. And, um, you know, I, I get out there and my mom is just worried. They send me out there alone. <laughs> and she's yeah. so worried that her kid's going to come back with dreadlocks and, you know, uh, a joint a day kind of thing. Keeps the yeah. doctor away. And uh, You're just religiously following, like, jam bands now. Yeah, I just follow, like, fish and the yeah. grateful, you know, getting company. Yeah. I don't know if they were a thing yet. But, right. um, but so we... Um, yeah, so so I got out there and and immediately I met one of my uh, one of my best friends up until now. Her name's Jill, and uh, she owns a, a, a CBD company out there now in uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. But the the environment there was just so uh, welcoming. It was really really welcoming. Uh, it's, it was like about I think it's like 300 people get together and they, they work for a week and there's uh, elective courses that you go to. So it's on like a big festival grounds in a big canyon all around it and there's a river running through it, the St. Vrain mm -hmm. River. And, uh, and so you go there and there's like an orientation and stuff and then there's the campsites that you just camp in and then you can go to whatever elective courses you want to during the day. And that's, um, you know, courses on, you know, writing melodies or courses on, you know, writing uh, songs that are stories and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're like hour long or no, they're like, they're like two and a half hour long classes and there's three sessions per day. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to wherever you want, whatever you want to focus sure, on yeah. for the day. And, uh, and then the rest of it is just jamming. They have big jam circles in the campgrounds. Yeah. And so you just show up with your guitar and you go play and you go put yourself out there. And... Um, yeah, and so I got out there and uh, and and started writing songs with these amazing people, and then uh, they have like an open stage there, which is it's called the Wildflower Pavilion, yeah. and and uh, at this open stage, it's like everybody comes to it, so like you know four or five hundred people are in this like small stage area, and mm -hmm. I got up there my first year and I played one of my original songs, and wow. people just loved it, and so it just kind of sent me on a trajectory like you know I can really do this thing. And then I stayed for the, the festival at the end of the week, the Folks Festival, and uh, I saw I saw Glenn Hansard, uh, oh, wow. who who's from the Swell yeah, Season, but sure. Glenn Hansard's amazing artist, totally. and uh, and he opened up with his song "Say It to Me Now," and uh, which is just an unbelievably powerful song. And I was watching that, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this is what I want to do." Sure. And then the next day, Martin Sexton played. Wow. Um, and then and he got up there, and he started playing his set, and he turned the whole audience of like several thousand people into his church. I mean, it just happened right before yeah. your eyes. It was just the whole crowd just turned into a cathedral, and it was like he just he just took you over. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is what I want to do. I want to, because it's the closest thing you can do to, to, you know, magic. I mean, really, like you can write these songs that can 
affect people and make people feel things, make them feel you know positive, happy, joyful, and you can you can take them in whatever them. direction you can, yeah. change them, help them. You can do anything you want with these kind of things, and it's the closest thing we have to magic. So. Yes, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, how did how did being in such a welcoming environment? How would you describe that boosts your confidence? Tremendously, tremendously. I mean, especially being. I mean. When we went, or when, when I went to this thing, I was the, like the youngest kid there, or I was one of the youngest people there. So the median age there was probably like 30, 40, and a lot of people who just write songs um, as hobbyists who are just really, um, you know, use it as, a, as something that relaxes them, and they write really, really great songs. Um, and, then there's, and then there's a lot of people there who are professionals, touring musicians and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to work with those kinds of people for a week out of the year, um, every August, is like everything. You know, it just boosts you. It gives you like a. It's almost like in my head. That's kind of when I uh, restart my year. Like I don't. I don't necessarily think of January as like the new year. New Year's is the new year. It's like August when I go yeah. to song school. It's kind of the reset where you get to spend all this time mm -hmm. in the mountains in Colorado, um, and you know, spend it with some people who are unbelievably talented and inspiring and then you get to come back to real life and and come up with your songs yeah so and like apply everything that um you know you took out of there and just bring it to you know your your actual environment that you're trying to make something out of nothing for you know absolutely yeah. so um so uh cite an example where like you know somebody had had told you like you know that your music had like heavily impacted them and like and just kind of how it just made you feel like you know how it reinforced that like you know this is me this is what I want to do okay okay so one memory that always comes to mind is so my, my dad has been a huge influence in my life my whole life he's been a very you know he's been, always pushed me to be better and to, and to move forward and my parents in general my mom and dad are like the most supportive yeah. people on the planet. Julie's uh, great. My, yeah, Julie. Julie? Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Julie's at every show. Yeah. They, they support you immensely. That's awesome. Yeah, really good. And my, my dad, Charlie. And, uh, but so he would get me gigs in like the craziest places, no doubt. He'd get me gigs like, like all over the place. So I was playing a fish fry at St. Peter's. <laughs> so I was set up. I was set up in the back of this this big cafeteria, and and they're like they're like yeah we'll give you I think like sixty bucks to play for the fish fry tonight. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I get there, and I think I did it several times. But I set up my stuff in the back corner of this uh, this uh, cafeteria, and the fish fry is going on, and I'm strumming and playing all night and. And I get to the end of my set, and I finish up, and one of the cooks from back in the kitchen, he comes out and he walks up to me and he goes, William, thank you for bringing something beautiful into this world, brother. Wow. And I went, shit, man. <laughs> I didn't say that. You know, man, I'm... I was 15. But, um, but it was really yeah. powerful, and, uh, and, it, and it stuck with me all these years that... Uh, you know, if I'm not doing anything else, I want to try to bring something beautiful into this world. Mm -hmm. Man, all it took was a fish fry. St. Peter's. <laughs> a damn fish fry. <laughs> a damn goddamn Honestly, fish fry. Honestly, yeah, yeah, there's some life-changing events at fish fries, I'll tell you that. Oh, man. Well, I know they, uh, 
they keep me uh, fucking occupied at a company brewing on Friday nights. You got a nice fish Friday? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, it's probably our most uh, popular night, but the dishes are a fucking bitch, I'll tell you that. Are they? Damn near there, damn near there till midnight. Wait, are you washing dishes? Yeah, that's my job there. Oh, okay, that makes so much yeah. more sense. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I need to contact someone. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Oh, oh my god, because everyone's getting the coleslaw and the ketchup, and it's it's so many fucking sauce cups you have trust to- Trust me, trust me, yeah. I worked as a, so, so I'm an Eagle Scout, so, uh, so like, <laughs> From the time I was very young up until I was 18, I, I was, a, was a, a boy scout and, uh, and, and they would make you work at these fish fries generally yeah. in the kitchen. Sure. And so, so you'd either go out and bust tables or you would work in the kitchen and you would load the dishwasher and stuff. And uh, yeah, there's nothing like the smell of like, like steamed up water with coleslaw and ketchup. Like it just creates like a potion that yeah. is enough to make a homeless person throw up or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, like something. Like it's really, really, really it's, bad. It's but literally like it's uh, the elixir of despair. It's that's, heavy. that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Touching up a little bit about um, you know how this is playing you forward. Uh -huh. um, so like we mentioned earlier, um, you know you have part two coming up. Um, you guys are you know taking some time to focus on more you you guys are working more inwardly this summer um yeah just like i guess um what you know like what can people that already know of you and already know of like will frang and the goodland gang and the milwaukee music scene like what can they expect from you and also just like what how do you hope to reach people that don't know about you guys yet in the milwaukee music scene you know in in uh you know i guess the year to come so how do we expect to reach more people? Yeah. Well, I guess like how what can people expect from you that already know of like of you already, and like how do you hope to reach people that don't know you guys yet? Mm -hmm. Well, so we plan on touring quite a bit more. We just uh, we just got a uh, a van, and so we're gonna be uh, focusing a lot around the Midwest. What kind of van is it? That's a forty three fifty. Oh shit, man! That's um twelve passenger van. Nice. Yeah. My dad used to drive one of those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very bad van. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, exactly. All eight miles to the gallon and all. But like, yeah, so we plan on touring quite a bit more in the Midwest. We're going to focus heavy on the Midwest. We're going to be doing some stuff out east in the fall and then some stuff down south in like Florida, Georgia, uh, you know, Louisiana in, in like midwinter. Um, you know, and then we're just going to keep fostering our, what's interesting about what we do is like, like we have great turnouts at our shows. Yeah. We have a lot of really amazing people who come out to our shows and I can't emphasize it enough how important and how much we appreciate everybody who comes out and supports us because every show that we play is, you know, it is for the people who come out, you yeah. know, we're showcasing our art, but you know, let's, let's not get it twisted. It's about the people who are coming and really supporting us and you know, we like to throw parties and have fun times with everybody. So we're going to continue on that. Uh, we're going to be releasing the second part of our EP very soon. Uh, you know, we've been recording it here at High Five Studios and really working, working on that to make that the best that it can be. We got this single that just came out that's doing tremendously well. Great. And, uh, you know, we're shooting to get it, uh, you know, some, some great airplay. Some radio stations have already picked it up in the Midwest. Um, we're looking for 88.9 to pick it up. 88.9. 88.9. Yeah. Hold me back on Spotify. We'll get you a CD tomorrow. I promise. Justin Barney. 
Mm-hmm. Justin Barney. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we've got that new single out, and then, you know, what we're going to do is we're just going to keep writing and keep, uh, you know, I'm going to keep coming up with songs, and, uh, and we're going to, you know, keep moving forward and pushing this thing forward. We've got such great momentum right now from everybody who supports us, and... Uh, you know, there's. I think there's just no stopping us right now. Yeah. We're really going to push forward and keep it going. Too hot to stop. <laughs> too hot to stop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the next two years, we're going to be focusing on the the Midwest and becoming, uh, you know, a, a serious touring act around the Midwest. And uh, you know, within the next, uh, you know, two two to five years, we're looking at uh, having a significant national presence. Amazing. Uh, you know, and we're you know, and I, how you do that, like. How you do that? It's that. I mean, that's a that's such a loaded question. Yeah. The music industry is is you know sixteen businesses within one. Yeah. Uh, you know, learning how to run your own finances, working with people who make great visual art, I think is a is paramount. You yeah. Know? Right. Um, you know, Eric McCambridge. You know, Eric McCambridge, I think, is one of the best directors and videographers coming out of Milwaukee. Absolutely. Marissa Williams as well. Uh, and um, so so. You know, having great, great presence online is very important, and we've got a whole slew of music videos that are going to be coming out in the near future, working with them. And, uh, you know, step by step, I think, yeah. I think the, more, the, the more that you get this ball rolling, the more that you stay focused on one thing, the, the easier that this whole process goes. Totally. Right. So, the like, more it makes sense. Yeah like, in, yeah, like in the words of Otis Redding, like, nobody wants you when you're down and out. You know, people want to work with people who are who are on a trajectory that they see themselves going higher and higher, yeah. and that other people see them going higher and higher. People come out of the woodwork when you need them to, when you envision them in your head that like this is who who do I need? Like who do I need to work with right now? I need like a booking agent right now. All right, so really, truly, you know, think about a booking agent exactly what you want from them, and find them. You know. Yeah, keeping your uh, your head in the clouds but your feet on the ground. Right. It's a really um, is key. Um, Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, so, um, what do you have to say about uh, how your band members empower you and how what they contribute to bringing your, your sound and your ideas to life? Unbelievable amount. Unbelievable amount. Like, the Goodland Gang has, uh, has, has, you know, pushed me and pushed the sound of everything that we do in a direction that is uh, brand new and very exciting like you know I guess you know I, I struggled with for years on having a sound that was too raucous or something that was outside of my comfort zone and what they've done is they've pushed my comfort zone to a whole new plane and so now we're making like pretty cool like rock rock music that's that's very pop influenced and I'm, we're not necessarily afraid of anything anymore, and and I guess that's what the guys have done, is they've taken everything to a whole new new place. So. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and I have to commend you, Will, for like you know I've I've seen you guys play many many times. Um, was present. Was very lucky to have been present for your guys' very first show as a band at the Jazz Gallery oh, right, uh, last right. year, last year ago. two Aprils ago. Um, you have such a phenomenal conversational approach to your vocal delivery. Um, I think that's really cool. Like I, I always like love watching you play. Like when you're singing, you look like you're just having a conversation with the crowd. Like you, I, you really good with eye contact. You're really good with just, you know, just speaking so like mellow, 
but also just very like um, firmly uh, to everyone in the room. And it's, it's just like you're having a conversation. It's almost like you're just you're just have you're conversationally singing the lyrics to the crowd. And I feel like that it's just a unique component of uh, you as a singer songwriter. You know, I don't see I see a lot of a, a lot of vocalists these days. You know, they sing with their eyes closed. They sing staring down at down at the mic, but you know, you are like speaking to who's out there. And I think that that is, um, that is akin to what you said about how it's all about the people. So it's like, you're, you're, you're singing these songs and these ballads to those that, uh, that, you know, made the effort to you're making you you're making connections the whole time. Absolutely. So I pull I pull a lot of my stage presence from this woman named Alice, who I met out in Colorado when I when I initially went out there, and she had a she had a show where uh, she would she would look at, look at everyone in the audience. She could have a room of 500 people that she was playing to, and everyone could walk out of that show and go. She spoke to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was talking to me, right, like right. that whole show. And I think that that's a very important uh, aspect of you know, you know, being, you know, to communicating these songs and you know, being the person singing and connecting those songs to people. I think it takes shows to a new level, and it takes those songs, you know, to to a very personal level to be mm -hmm. able to make eye contact with someone. And feel that it is about you. So yeah, beautiful. All right, Will Frang, Ben Slowey. Holy shit! I look. I could be sunburned. I could just Were be. You out in the sun, motherfucker. Yesterday I was, but I could also just be super lit from that fucking liqueur. That liqueur, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does a number. Will, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Spiders. Woo. All those fucking legs, shit. Um, well, I don't like when they're on my back because they could be giving you the finger. Yeah. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> yeah, they could you be, wouldn't know it. They could be giving you obscene gestures. Yeah. What puts you to sleep? Puts me to sleep. Uh, Van Morrison. Beautiful. Moon dance. And red wine. Moon dance and red wine. Mm -hmm. Great combo. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you, Ben. A lot of See fun. See you again very soon. Yes. Uh, once again, Will Frang and the Goodland Gang. Um, we got a new single out right now. It's called Hold Me Back. It's on all streaming services, and you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. You can find it on everything. Uh, and it came out this past Friday, so go check it out and, uh, and give us a follow. And catch our Will Frang and the Goodland Gang show. They're fun as fuck. You can catch them playing at Summerfest. You can catch them playing couple times a summer you know uh yeah you guys got some you guys got some shows but we do so sounds yeah. good thanks see for you guys thank you for being on the thank you for watching mr nice guy we'll see you next time Three, four.